Hello and welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host, Evan Brand. Thanks for joining me. Today is a big conversation you need to know if you've struggled with gut issues 5, 10, 20, 50 years you probably got mold toxicity, and I've discovered this after failing. You know, I have over 2,000 cases under my belt now working full-time, hardcore clinically for over eight years with people, and there were certain cases where people would get better, and then they would relapse, and their organic acids would show new candida markers showing up, or we'd see this recurrence of SIBO, and we're like, okay, what the heck's going on? So we would rotate various antimicrobial herbs, like we use my microbiome supports, and we would get people better, but then sometimes they'd go backwards again. We're like, well, what the heck is it? We figured it out. It's mold toxicity. This is probably the biggest epidemic problem facing humanity because so many of us spend so much time indoors now compared to even just 100 years ago when a lot of us were farmers. We were outside. So even if the old farmhouse was moldy, it didn't matter as much because we were outside. Now we're in these tight boxes 99% of the day. And we're breathing in mycotoxins, which suppress the immune system, elevate inflammatory markers, create brain fog, forgetfulness, depression, anxiety, low testosterone, female hormone issues, infertility, miscarriages, and many, many more. This is becoming my bread and butter because it is one of the biggest factors in my health journey. I've created a gut health protocol. If you're interested, this is free. You know, I have my Better Belly Functional Medicine training course, my Better Energy, and the Better Home. So I have three different functional medicine training courses, which are linked in the show notes. However, if you need a gut health protocol, because today is all about the mold gut connection, just go on my site. You'll see the link here, though. It's AuraRoots.com, A-U-R-A Roots, AuraRoots.com. At the bottom there, or in the home page, you will see Gut Protocol. It says there's a little green opt-in box. Download Gut Health Protocol. Put your email address in. I will send you the protocol with the exact timing, dosaging of a what I would call a comprehensive microbiome reset. This is not medical advice. I'm not treating you. You're not officially my client. This doesn't establish a doctor-patient relationship. None of that, but it's a good protocol. So if you need a place to start, you could look there. Also, consider enrolling in my Better Belly course. It's the flagship. Over 600 students enrolled. It's an incredible course where gastroenterologists, naturopaths, acupuncturists, stay-at-home moms, yoga teachers, all kinds of people are in that. And we're getting incredible feedback from people that are taking their health back into their own hands, learning how to run and read labs, and then making protocols to fix themselves based on the dozens of case studies inside of the course. So it is a game changer. It is my best work yet. So I would highly encourage you to take advantage of it. All right, let's get into the show. If you need help one-on-one, you're too sick, or you just can't focus, you don't want to do a course, you just want hand-holding, that's fine. We still offer one-on-one functional medicine consults with myself or my other functional medicine practitioner on staff. You can read more and book a free call with myself to discuss what's going on, and I'll determine if we can help. That is at my site, evanbrand.com. Here we go. And we are live. It's Dr. J here in the house with Evan Brand. Today's topic is going to be wonderful for the podcast. We're going to be talking about the mole-gut connection how your digestive issues may be exacerbated by mold toxins. So great topic here. Evan, 
personally been affected by himself, and we see lots of patients all the time with these issues. So let's dive in. Evan, how are we doing today, man? Yeah, man, doing really well. And a lot of people have been to naturopaths. They've been the functional medicine people. They've been to conventional mm-hmm. doctors. They've been treated for SIBO and SIFO, whether it's Rifaximin or natural SIBO protocols. Maybe they've done SIBO diets or some of these rotational food diets and that sort of thing. Maybe they've tried berberine, oregano, garlic, and maybe they've made some progress, but then they're still stick. They're still suck. Uh, I'm going to mix up my words. They're stuck and sick. Yep. So that's a bad combination of S's. Yep. And this is likely due to a mold toxin problem because I've seen it too many times and I suffered on my own. And even the labs now tell mm-hmm. us, they give us a cookie cutter report, but that cookie cutter report nonetheless is still valuable because even the lab has painted the connection between mycotoxins, which are essentially mold farts that you breathe in in a water damaged building, and the connection to certain bacterial overgrowth, specifically Clostridia, but also Candida. And the mechanism of why this is so damaging, especially to young children, is because we know that Clostridia bacteria screw up the organic acid levels called HPHPA, and this affects levels of neurotransmitters. So when you get these children, they have behavioral issues. They may be diagnosed with something like PANS, which is a pediatric acute neuropsychiatric syndrome. These kids usually have sensory problems, food sensitivities, skin issues, histamine problems, allergies. Uh, Maybe they're biting children. Maybe they're angry or irritable. This can all be traced back due to this toxicity. 100%. So that's quite interesting. Now, you talked about mycotoxins essentially being mole farts. So essentially the mold off gases, right? And you different kinds of mold, right? It could be penicillium. It could be aspergillus, right? It could be the black mold, stachybotrys, these type of things. And then they produce various mycotoxins. And when we do different tests like plate testing on homes, supposedly each mold or so can produce about 300 different mycotoxins, whether it's ochratoxins or alanone. Is that correct? Yeah, which is crazy because we can only test for a very, very small amount on the urine. So really, we're trying to just look for some evidence of this bonfire. We're looking for the ashes. Oh my God, there must have been a fire here, this big mold exposure. We're only Mm -hmm. looking at the tip of the iceberg. So uh, yeah, you're right. Our our testing is is good, but it's still very primitive compared to the amount of mycotoxins that are being produced. Yeah, and the type of organic acid testing that we're doing is on the the Great Plains, we'll look at some of the organic acid compounds that correlate with like aspergillus or or different mold toxins. Is that correct? What are those big mycotoxins? What are the big uh, organic acids again? Forget. Do you remember them? Yeah. So it's all on page ones. Yeah. So you'll see oxoglutaric. You'll see citric acid can be high in a fungal overgrowth too. So it's all page one, oxoglutaric, you got uh, hydroxybenzoic, which is related to bacteria. I could pull up an O, but in general, it's just page one. It's typically numbers one through 18. If you see any big red flags on that, you either a combination of a bacterial overgrowth, specifically a clostridia problem, and or candida or fungal colonization. And the lab indicates this. So tartaric acid would also be on there. Carboxycitric acid is also on there. So in parentheses, you'll see under these organic acids now, which is great because this has improved over the years that you and I have been running these labs, it now says aspergillus. So on number six, which is tartaric acid, under number six, it'll now say aspergillus. And you know if that's elevated, you're colonized for aspergillus, which means that you've now been exposed to couple situations could have happened. Either you had a large enough amount of mold, you were exposed to mold long enough, or your immune system was weak enough to where now you've become a mold factory. So you can be a mold reservoir, 
more specifically a mycotoxin reservoir where you've just had this exposure at the moldy hotel in Mexico and then you come back home and you're sick. Or if you were weak enough, now you're growing mold. Even if you move to the desert to avoid mold, you stay sick because you've got that colonization. So with an oat... Colonization that's happening. Yeah, so you can prove that, which is very important because now that would justify the use of herbal antifungals to try to remedy this situation. That makes sense. Let me go pull up one of my old oat tests. Let me see if I can find it. Hold on. Now, the conventional treatment is typically antifungal medications that are going to knock this out, but as you and I, with our functional practice, we don't like to use that. So yeah, so number four would be classified as a fungal, the Ferran 2,5-dicarbolic. You've got that yep. Ferran carbonoglycine. Yeah, so number six, yeah, so this is old enough where they didn't have the molds, but on the new ones, in parentheses, it It'll it say shows it. aspergillus. It is a primarily is it aspergillus for all three of these. Yeah, and then number nine, the tricarbolic is fusarium. Fusarium, yep. And then arabinose and tartaric are also correlated with yeast, yeast overgrowth. Yeah. So this, this test here, for instance, I did a Great Plains and a Genova test at the same time, and this one actually came back much higher on the arabinose side than the Great Plains, than the um, Genova tested. So it's interesting, you know, different samples and such. But yeah, this one, arabinose is strongly correlated with candida. I just ran my oat. Have, I've got candida right now too. So I'm on a protocol right now. I just ran my oat recently. To knock it down. Yeah, I showed up with candida yeah. and... And, and I want people to know, uh, because uh, you were a speaker on the event, it was called the Candida Summit, which I ran like five years Correct. ago. And, you know, we had like 30 people talking about it. And I could look back, but I tell you, I don't think anybody had made the connection here, which was the mold candida connection back then. And now what I'm finding is basically you're just playing whack-a-mole with candida until the mold's gone, meaning you may rotate through various rounds of antifungals, but out the back door, you've got to be using the appropriate binders to pull out the mycotoxins. So if you're just beating candida down and it keeps coming back, it's probably the mold, not the candida that you need to be after. Yeah, and that's where it's good to run a test like this. Uh, also, maybe a urinary mycotoxin test, or just make sure your environment's good. Because I always tell patients, if the environment's not good and you're having reoccurring issues, then you're just not getting to the root cause. So the first thing is isolate the environment. Make sure the environment, your home, your apartment, wherever you're living, run a high quality mold plate test on there. We'll put links down below where you guys can access the plate testing. Uh, isolate that, right? Make sure there's no water damage or if there's been leaks, make sure it's been something that's been addressed and dealt with. Make sure that's dialed in. The second thing is you can run a test like an organic acid test with your functional medicine provider. See if there's any colonization. And if that's chronic, then you want to get to the root on that. And then you can always run urinary mold where you're looking at mycotoxins coming out in the urine. That can also be helpful. But typically, if this is good and there's nothing at the home, then you're probably in pretty good shape and it's probably more of an acute kind of dysbiosis thing, probably from poor diet, poor digestion, other bugs, other infections, et cetera. Yeah, and the cool thing is that you can kill two birds with one stone or even three birds with one stone. And what I mean by that is, let's say you run that oat and you show the elevated arabinose, you know there's a candida problem, but if we see tartaric above that's high and then down below we see some of the bacterial overgrowth markers, the blends that you and I formulate and have, we might be able to kill bacterial overgrowth, fungal overgrowth, Bingo. and a candida problem all in one fell swoop. And that's incredible. And, you know, your gastroenterologist or even your your mold doctor is likely not going to be able to do that. They may come in specifically with itraconazole or fluconazole or nystatin. But as you know, we're facing this big problem of antifungal resistance, just like we're finding with antibiotic resistance. And so now you've got these very virulent strains, which are difficult to kill with the conventional medications. You and I've talked about this before, but the long story short of it is all the different alkaloids and terpenes and beneficial nutrients in the plants 
those don't have this resistance problem. And if you're mixing this herb and that herb and that herb, it's not one plus one equals two, it's one plus one equals 10. You get this synergistic effect. Yeah, you see the same thing with addressing bacteria and other bigger bugs, berberines and artemisia wormwood have synergistic effects. Also the fact that you get a lot of antioxidants in a lot of these herbs. And so especially if they're high quality, you get a lot of antioxidant support because when you start killing bugs, it's a lot of oxidative stress that's happening. And then when you provide like an antifungal, like a diflucan or an amphotericin or a nystatin or a ketoconazole, obviously there's no antioxidants in those. It's, it's the drug. And so you're going to have a lot of oxidative stress. So it's nice to have a blend of different herbs in there, one to prevent the resistance. And then also people have yeast issues. A lot of times they have bacterial bugs as well. And efflux pumps are a big thing that a lot of bacteria and bugs use to kind of um, protect themselves. So I, I kind of say like a bacteria is like a sinking canoe, right? And essentially you poke holes in that canoe with a lot of the herbals. And think of the efflux pumps as the person in the canoe bailing water, right? So they try to keep on bailing water, bailing water so they don't sink, right? And so think of the herbals when you inhibit the efflux pumps, whether it's a ginger or different antimicrobials, it's like taking the buckets away from the bacteria that's bailing water and it allows them to sink better, allows them to effectively be destroyed. That along with addressing biofilms too. Yeah, that's awesome. And the cool part is too, you can minimize the die off if you're doing this right. You know, a mm -hmm. lot of people when they hear these conversations, they get afraid. They go, oh my God, candida, mold, bacteria, parasites, worms. Like, oh my God, this is a lot of stuff in me. I want it, I want it out of me, but now I'm afraid. Am I going to feel worse before I feel better? And the answer is if you do it properly, that should be minimal to a non-existent problem. I think you and I have refined our protocol so much over the years now that we have these tools and these other therapies in place that are standalone uh, products, but we often add those in. Or if we see that we hit a roadblock or a big bump in the road like a die-off, we can change dosing, we can rotate, we can add in other support. We're always talking about liver and gallbladder and binders and hydration and biofilm. These other pieces, these other variables, these are the make-or-break things for some people. 100%. And when people kind of want to go after the gut, we live in an antibiotic, like kill, kill, kill generation. So people tend to, when they find out they have an issue, they want to go kill, kill, kill. And that can be very stressful on the body. So it's always very important to calm down the inflammation, get the immune system stronger, get the hormones that help with anabolic metabolism, which is healing, recovering, anti-inflammatory support. That kind of sets the table because the more stressed and inflamed you are, your lymphatic system, your detoxification system, your immune system won't work as good. And plus, people forget your detoxification system, right? The cytochrome P450 oxidase pathways, especially the phase two pathways, they're going to run off of a lot of sulfur-based amino acids. And so if we don't have great digestion and we're not eating, you know, good healthy animal protein or good healthy plant cruciferous vegetables, if we can tolerate them and can't break it down, we may not have a lot of those sulfur building blocks to run those phase two pathways. And so that's why kind of getting the deck set, so to speak, so we can really hit phase two better, just not with support, but just by getting digestion working better and a good diet working better, sets the table and allows us to, to effectively kill so much better. Yeah, and I know we've talked about a lot in a short amount of time. We've gone fast, so listen back as needed. But I want people to understand the connection mm -hmm. because of the title of this episode. I want people to understand the mole-gut connection. So the connection is the following. The mycotoxins weaken the immune system and allow the opportunistic bacterial overgrowth to thrive along with the candida. So if you're working upstream at the SIBO-CIFO situation, but you've got an underlying mycotoxin problem, you've got to address that if you fully want to get better. The other mechanism of the mycotoxins is a couple. Number one is they damage the microbiome. So we know 
specifically, mycotoxins do the same thing as like food allergens. They disrupt the gut barrier and create intestinal permeability. So that's another reason you want to pull those out of the circulation by using specific binders based on your labs. And then the other mechanism too is we know mycotoxins affect the brain chemistry and specifically lower dopamine. So when you get into uh, pain signaling, you get into motivation and mood and just your overall vitality. If your brain chemistry is affected, we can also measure that, but it could be directly attributed to the toxin. For example, in like rat studies, when they inject them with mycotoxins or expose them to mold toxin, the dopamine levels crash. So now all of a sudden you've got this brain chemistry piece to address too. Now people have heightened pain sensitivity. Um, they're depressed. They may be just more flat with their life. Once again, they go to their psychiatrist. They're not going to bring up mold toxicity. They're putting them on an antidepressant medication. They're never going to say, hey, oh, your basement flooded. That's why you're depressed and anxious and you have diarrhea. So the connection of the gut symptoms too, the diarrhea, any type of bloating, burping, digestive pain, especially in children. Children don't use the same language as adults. So if your child is complaining about stomach pain, that could be one clue that there's something related. That was my issue for my daughter, Summer. She was complaining of tummy aches, so we did run stool on her. She did have H. pylori when she was two. We tested real high. Maybe I gave it to her sharing water bottles or something. But either way, we took care of that. And then stomach pain uh, was continuing. That was when we had got exposed to mold. Luckily, I got her on binders. Now she's in a better place. So I've seen it, unfortunately, with my own kids. And it's stressful to see your kids suffer. But it's a good lesson. It's a good learning lesson that your, your children are not crazy. And uh, if your kid's complaining of a chronic issue like this with pain, you know, consider this as a possibility, especially if you as the mother are toxic because the toxins go through the placenta and they also go through breast milk. So if you have your own digestive skin, whatever problems, mood problems, and your kid has similar issues as you, well, it could be the, the generational passing of toxins. So let's go over that mechanism one more time with dopamine. So obviously dopamine's a neurotransmitter and when we're chronically stressed, physical, chemical, or emotional, dopamine can go downstream and get converted into adrenaline, which kind of helps manage the acute stress response. Is it just the fact that the mold is inflammatory and creating a stress response and activating the sympathetic nervous system that the dopamine is being taken and depleted downstream, or is there something else? I want to make sure I get that mechanism hammered down. I don't know. Type in... Uh Type in rat dopamine mold or rat dopamine mycotoxin. See if you can find it. There were several papers on this. I don't know if they discussed the mechanism in it or not. My assumption would be that it's multifactorial. I think the big mechanism would be that the mycotoxins affecting the gut barrier, then affecting nutrient absorption, and then there's likely less amino acid conversion to dopamine. So I'm thinking it's more of a malabsorption problem. But also we know that ochratoxin, for example, like, like, damages like malabsorption, the brain. like it's affecting. Um affecting the absorption of protein in the gut? Yeah, I think that's one mechanism. I think the other mechanism would be direct brain damage. We know that ochratoxin, for example, damages the cerebellum. We know that the verucarin and the stachybotrys mycotoxins affect the brain and the prefrontal cortex, which impairs like your ability to think clearly. So I think it's both. I think it's the gut damage and I think it's the direct brain damage too. Mm, I'm going to pull it up here now. Can you see it on screen? All right. Yep. Let me make it bigger on my yeah, side. Yeah. So here. many mycotoxins trichothecenes that we test that in some of the the mycotoxin tests yeah induced neuronal cell apoptosis so some of that could be you're just causing the cells in the brain and especially the substantia nigra of the midbrain that's where dopamine cells are being produced some of it could be apoptosis that means programmed cell death and or inflammation in the olfactory epithelium and that's interesting so it seems to be a neurodegenerative and then look it says it caught ochratoxin a causes acute depletion 
of dopamine and its metabolites. Look at that. So I wonder if that's a, a it sounds like it's possibly a stress response, right? Because dopamine can tends to go downstream to adrenaline. Could be a almost like an autoimmune response because you're you're having apoptosis. This is neuronal cell death, programmed death. This is part of the reason why apoptosis is important, right? Because if you don't have good immune immune function, this is how cancer forms, right? Your immune system helps program cells to die when they need to die. This is apoptosis. But if you can't do that, then cells can overgrow. Hence, you have a tumor, right? And so this is actually happening to unhealthy or to very healthy tissue that you need to be functionally healthy that produce the dopamine in the midbrain. Yeah, look so at that very too. interesting. Talking about the hippocampus too. We know the hippocampus. Memory. We've got two of them. Uh, Memory. That's why a lot of people have uh, brain fog problems. And also I would say that short-term to long-term conversion is, is, yep. is impaired. Can you see this one here? The mold inhalation one? Uh, I'm let just seeing that you're highlighted on the hippocampus word for now. Let me let me switch back to the other one here. Okay. This is mold inhalation. This is interesting. Let's go pull this up. All right. Mold inhalation causes innate immune activation, neural, cognitive, and emotional dysfunction. This, so this is pretty is new. Important. July 2020 paper here. So relatively yeah, new. Yeah. Yeah. So the ability to mold to cause such symptoms is controversial since no published research has examined the effects of control mode exposure on the brain. Patient symptoms following mold exposure are indistinguishable from those caused by innate immune activation by bacterial or viral exposure. Interesting. So in this study here, they added in, let's see here, toxic and non-toxic mold stimuli would cause innate immune activation with concomitant neural effects and cognitive and emotional behaviors. We intranasally administered intact stachybotrys. This is black mold. Oh. Extracted non-toxic stachybotrys spores and a saline vehicle to mice. You don't want as to be that mouse. Wow, no. As predicted, intact spores increase interleukin 1 beta, immune reactivity in the hippocampus. Both spore types decrease neurogenesis. This is forming new neurons in the brain and cause striking contextual memory deficits in young mice while decreasing pain threshold. So this is another word saying causing more pain in the body. So if you have mold exposure, joint pain could happen. And right? of course, check out the next one And enhancing one auditory. And enhancing auditory acute memory in older mice. Look at the anxiety. Non-toxic spores. Yeah, also increase anxiety-like behavior. Levels of hippocampal immune function correlated with decreased neurogenesis. That's creating new neurons in the brain. Contextual memory deficits, right? Obviously, less memory. and Or enhanced auditory cued feared memory. I wonder what that means. Maybe it's just like uh, you're more sensitive to external stimuli. I read and that. Yeah, I read that as sound sensitivity, which is Sound sensitivity. Yeah, part of the toxin right. and uh, light sensitivity too. So people will often have to wear sunglasses even when it's yep. not very bright. You and I've talked about that in the context of adrenals years ago, but that's also a mold toxin thing. Yep, and innate immune activation may explain how both toxic mold and non-toxic mold skeletal elements cause cognitive and emotional decline. So it's really important. We don't want to be in an area where there's a bunch of mold toxins. And we could do a whole other podcast on how to mitigate mold toxins as a whole. I mean, of course, get your home tested. That's the first thing. If you have water damage, make sure it's mitigated by a professional right away because mold starts to form in, when sitting water in, in as little as two days. Got to make sure that's under control. And then if you're on the fence, get yourself tested, right? We'll run an organic acid test. Maybe you run a urinary mycotoxin test and see what your actual load is. But again, one of the big telltale cue signs is, you know, get, get out of your home. If there's mold there and you start feeling significantly better and you go back, you notice an increase, definitely get your home tested. Definitely get your internal mold uh, tested as well via your urine. 
Yeah, well, I know we got to wrap this thing up. we got calls to get to, but I hope this is helpful for people. We can always get geekier and dive deeper and go longer, but I think you guys get the gist here, the connection of the brain toxicity, the gut damage. There's a mitochondrial element with the chronic fatigue piece. So if you are suffering from any chronic issue, whether it's mood, like uh, depression, anxiety, energy problems like chronic fatigue, low libido, poor erectile function, uh, cold hands, cold feet, increased light sensitivity, blurry vision, could be other things, but this is a big smoking gun and all of us are inside way too much. We're not outside like the Amish are all day. They might've had moldy homes, but they're not breathing it in the majority of the time. They're outside in fresh air where the toxins are diluted. So us with our indoor lifestyle as modern humans, we're at more risk of this stuff and our buckets are already full due to pesticides and other toxicity in the environment. So this is a, a really, to me, it's an epidemic problem, maybe the biggest one. And not everyone is as, as genetically sensitive, right? Some people, they go into a moldy area, they get brain fog right away. Some people do fine. Either way, it's definitely a stressor in the stress bucket. And if you know it's there, you definitely want to pull it out because it's going to help give you more resiliency and more adaptability. So great podcast today, Evan. Anyone listening on the audio version, we pulled up some studies and some lab tests on the video version. We'll put the link down below so you can see the video version. We'll put some links to some of the labs and the products that we talked about today so you guys can take a look at those. Evan, great chatting with you. Head over to evanbrand.com to reach out to Evan via functional medicine, nutritional support worldwide, as well as justinhealth.com. Dr. J, myself, justinhealth.com. For myself, we are here to help and support you guys wherever you are. Have a phenomenal day, everyone. Take it easy. Bye-bye. Take care. Bye now. All right. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed that show. I hope you learned something new. As I told you in the beginning, mold and gut issues. This is a huge problem. If you can't fix your gut, it's probably mold or some other toxin. Consider enrolling in my Better Belly Functional Medicine Training Course. Join over 600 dedicated health seekers. Take back their health. You can do the same. And that is at my site, evanbrain.com. You'll see the link there. Click on courses. We'll also have a link in your podcast show notes. Check it out. It can change your freaking life. No exaggeration. If you need one-on-one help, evanbrand.com has all the details. You can book a 15-minute free call with me. I will chat with you at no charge. We can discuss your symptoms. I will let you know if it's something I can help with. And if I can take you on, I will do so. Take great care of yourself. I'll chat with you again soon. Bye-bye. And we'll cash it in. Talk about the things that you like, girl. Talk about the things that we like. Oh.